Hello, I'm Michael McCarthy from Mirandus, the fantasy MMO powered by Gala and blockchain technology, allowing players to truly own their own content. I'm here on Edge of NFT, the show that's allowing its listeners to own the alpha content of blockchain gaming. Keep listening. Hey, NFT Curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn what inspired our guest with 30 years of gaming experience under his belt to go all in on Web3 Gaming. And why owning your own virtual cemetery in Mirandas may be the opportunity of a lifetime you don't want to pass up. And what were some of the surprising and enlightening insights from a highly comprehensive and data-driven report on the state of Web3 Gaming? And yes, it's official. You can now dive into the captivating world of artificial intelligence with the Edge of AI podcast. Join us as we explore the frontiers of AI and its impact on our lives. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Twitter at edge of underscore AI and LinkedIn for exciting updates and insights. You can also visit our new website, edgeofai.xyz. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our special new recurring segment, Edge of Gala. We're catching up with the team at Gala every month, given the breadth and depth of this special growing ecosystem. For those that don't already know, Gala Games is where blockchain meets gaming in a revolutionary play-to-earn platform. Imagine playing your favorite games and being rewarded with cryptocurrencies and rare NFTs. Gala Games does just that, offering a diverse range of gaming experiences, all fueled by their native token, Gala. This regular segment is sponsored by our friends at Gala, the world-leading Web3 entertainment company that's reshaping the future of entertainment with blockchain technology. Gala's journey began in 2019 when they launched Gala Games, and since then, they've expanded their horizons to include music and film. They empower content creators and emerging talent by returning creative licenses and providing a direct connection to their audience, offering genuine involvement in innovation projects. Today, we'll focus on some exciting updates around one of Gala's newest games, Mirandas, with our guest, Michael McCarthy. Michael is an experienced director working in the game industry for 20 years now. ICE has contributed to many titles in an art, design, and or production capacity. He is an execution-focused leader with X-Men power of new IP development. He works to understand what the business needs, establish and evangelize the vision, and build great teams to execute against the vision. Recently, He's worked on the social and free-to-play space. He understands the power of objective game development using data to inform vision, features, and roadmap. We have a lot to cover about Mirandas, the fantasy MMO powered by Gala and blockchain technology, allowing players to truly own their content. Mirandas is a game unlike any other epic fantasy RPG set in a massive world ruled by five-player monarchs. Let's get started. I think you got that comment from LinkedIn, like about me. It's from LinkedIn, isn't it? Just like strips from the front pages of LinkedIn. But I have been making games for almost 30 years. Um, I, all right. I, I think the it's beast. 30 years, my man. Just I'm old. I'm almost 50. Well, either we have to get a better fact checker or you have to update your LinkedIn profile a little more often. Oh, gross. <laughs> I hate going to LinkedIn. It's the worst, man. And updating my profile is the extra worst. So, But I will do that. I'll update it. I'll make Fair sure enough. You have questions about blockchain? Like, 
how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. But yeah, you've been too busy, Michael, building games to worry about your LinkedIn profile. And <laughs> we've heard so much about Mirandas and what's going on there. Would love to sort of let our listeners know, what does the world need to know here about this incredible game that you've been building? If you're new to Mirandas, I would say high level, we're, we're a 3D MMO. It's set in an open world, so there's no maps, there's no quest givers, players all begin at the same place, and it's up to them to explore and survive. We're a single shard, so all players from all over the world will be there together in one place, and players control the economy, so they place deeds and buildings, and they craft goods necessary to survive and push deeper into the world. We're a simulation, so the world itself is a simulation. This is a, a big part of keeping the game feeling like an adventure, but our creatures are alive. They eat, they sleep. You can't camp at a respawn point. You never know exactly where things will be. And a lot of really cool emergent gameplay happens when you build systems like this. So we, there's one thing that happened recently, which was kind of cool. We were playing and there's a buck that the herd follows of deer and the buck was thirsty and started to make its way over to a stream. And there was just this herd of deer coming through a field. which was really, really beautiful. So that was cool. I yeah, the, the graphics look incredible. Like, I've got to say, yeah, how big is your graphics team? It's not massive. One of the lessons that I learned early on in my career, and I think everyone in game development who's had this experience can, can echo it. But if you have the right people and you develop really good tools and you target the right aesthetic, you can move mountains with a very small team. So if you start going down the route of, you know, a lot of normal maps and specular maps, you know, your team gets massive because you're creating something very complex and everything has to be very complex. But I think we're more passionate about a reductive style and trying to kind of distill nature into its simplest, most beautiful forms, color and shape. So we're trying to bring that into the world of Mirandas. And we like it, and it serves some interesting purposes, too, from a gameplay standpoint. We'll get to how dangerous the world is of Mirandas, I think. But when we're talking about Mirandas, it is dangerous. And I think if I were to drill one point home to the community or to people that are new to Mirandas, it's that it's dangerous. And the goal of the game is to truly bring adventure back. When you die, there's pushback in the system. You can lose XP. So having that world, it just creates a different environment. You walk around afraid. 
you listen for a snap, you know, the snap of a twig in the forest. You don't just run in, die, and respawn. You really think about how you want to approach enemies. And our community wants that. They've spoken to us about it. They even have a saying called hashtag make Miranda's hard. They want that experience. And what's fun about it is, is when you're playing a game where you just invest time to become more powerful, it's less meaningful. And this game, one of our sayings is, and we're hoping it's true, but when a high level player walks into a tavern, you already know their name. You already yeah. know. So we're endeavoring to make players true heroes and famous. That's awesome. You're speaking my language. Those are the types of games I like. A really big challenge where there's consequences to dying. Anybody can just respond a million times and just do some over and over again and eventually get it right. When there's true consequences, you have to put true strategy. Like I think that pushes your end player to have to be creative and put in strategies and want to really evaluate a lot of different paths in order to progress and move forward through the game. And, and with that, you say you heard back from the community, but like, what is the story behind Miranda's? Like, what inspired your team to pursue this initiative and to listen to the feedback that you're getting to make it hard? So we started in early 2021, trying to envision what the game would be. Usually it's born of something you're missing. You want to play a game like this. And, and wouldn't it be cool if we started with that idea and concept and then reached out to our gala community on Discord. And they're awesome. And just to see if there's any interest. And they loved it. They absolutely loved the concept. So I'd say it's the community and their love for Mirandus that fuels us. We've brought them along on the development of the game at every step. And that's been really awesome too. So it's not just our game as the developers. It's really a game that we're creating with the community themselves. They get to see everything. And we have design ideas and things that we think are a good idea, but we run it by them to see what they think and get their feedback. So it's been a different way to develop and I just love it. Normally you, you can't show anyone anything and then you get to the end and some big $20 million marketing budget tries to put lipstick all over your game and it just sucks. So one of the things that always happens to us as game developers is when you tell someone you make games, they're like, oh my God, what's that like? What, what's it like? And we just kind of realized that, man, maybe the community would love to know. So we show them everything, little prototypes and just kind of the process of making the art and the challenges with engineering, not just the bright side of development, but also what if you're pursuing something and it ends up stinking? How do you trash it and go back and the twists and turns of development as well? So and we, we love our community, man. They've been awesome. And we try to include them in, in everything we do. They're kind of the passion behind Mirandus. And without them, it wouldn't be made at all. There's something apropos about what you're sharing. Mirandus is about facing fear and treading lightly. In a lot of ways, I think your approach to the game development is facing fear, facing fear of making mistakes and sort of picking the pieces back up again. So that's really cool. And this is a game that is actually being developed by Gala. From having Jason on, you guys work with outside studios as well, but this is something that you guys are building in-house. How did you stumble upon Gala Games and decide to get in the mix personally? I was enlisted probably as a co-founder of the company. I was there in 2019, and we were working to try to envision what this network can be and what blockchain was. And I was completely new to blockchain. I was being brought into meetings and they were sitting me down and Mike, why don't you watch this video on how Bitcoin works? I was completely new to it. And I think that's a lot of people are going through that kind of new to it and trying to figure it out. So 
it's an okay place to be, to be in the dark about it and learn how cool it is and how neat it is. So I've been there pretty close to the beginning and worked really hard to try to make Gala as cool as it possibly could be, man. So Town Star was where I started. That was a game that was in development. And that was really the first game on the platform. And that's how you have to make a platform. If you're making a platform, we call it eating your own dog food. You have to make the platform. And the platform is a lot of work. It's the front-facing thing users see. It's the e-commerce site behind it. There's Gala Chain itself, which has been years in development and is now really live and amazing and critical to the games that we build because a lot of chains can't really support the numbers of transactions that we need to perform inside the game. So um, yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot we've had to build and I'm really proud of it. I think we built something cool. It shows, man. And I think when you think about like building a bridge or building a skyscraper or something, it's not just the raw materials or the engineers. It's all the communication that goes on with all the different stakeholders to get that thing stood up, right? And that's kind of becomes part of the DNA of the end product. It does, man. It does. There's so many hands all sculpting clay at the same time. And we made some mistakes too. And I mean, I certainly made some mistakes. I think we over leveraged the Ethereum network early on and just didn't really understand what transaction volume might look like, what those gas fees would look like for our players. And it's all so new. It's just new. And everyone who's in this space is taking shots on goal and trying to figure out how best to utilize this technology to empower players. That's kind of the mission. Yeah. And that's true consistently in other areas, right? I think Eric Calderon, one of the founder of Artblocks, acknowledged that everything he did in the very beginning was just a pure experiment. So don't try this at home, kids. That makes sense. So let's dive into the game a little bit. Um, Part of the uniqueness here with decentralization blockchain, of course, is ownership. The concept of ownership shifts. And in your case, this is very much a player-owned economy. What are some of the rewards of playing the game and how does that economy work? I think there's a fiction and a narrative to the world that lends itself to a player-owned economy. This is an unexplored land and our players are the first to land in this world and try to establish towns and build buildings and craft the things they need to survive. Weapons, armor, food, clothing, sails for your ships, players are all having to build this and create this to survive in the land. So I think a player-owned economy in a world and a setting like this just makes a lot of sense. So we're trying to simulate a fantasy world. And part of that is that players have to have to make it here and, and survive and support each other and push deeper. So from a reward standpoint, it's I don't know if I even think about the word rewards as much. It's like if you play this, you get a reward. It's more like we're just trying to keep everything on chain, everything. And it's what our players want. So when you loot a creature, when you gather resources, when you craft stuff that's valuable to other players in the game, it can make you powerful. So game items that we have have value inside the game and everything you craft is what our target is has value inside the game, and then it can be bridged out to Ethereum as an 11.55. So you can take it out of the Gala Chain network and, and over to Ethereum if you want. Yeah, and I think having that player economy piece is something that a lot of people from Web 2 coming over into Web 3 are interested in, but don't necessarily know how to 
tie the two just yet, but I think things like Miranda's and how you're going about this is making that invitation more welcoming and, and having a community that's helping to teach some of these people how to do some of those first steps helps with understanding how they can be empowered with that type of player economy. But you were kind of getting to the core of, of what makes a lot of that ecosystem thrive and what people need to prosper in the game. And, and it's around Matterum. Can you kind of explain like what that is and why that plays a really big part of the game? It's pronounced Materium. Materium. Oh my God. Yeah, Materium, my man. So Materium is magic. So beyond all the things that you have to craft and build, Materium is, it's mana. It's magic in the world. And it can be found throughout Mirandus. You can kill a creature and find it on the creature. You can find it in secret locations. So every single magical act you perform in the game requires materium. If you cast a spell, that's magic and it uses materium. You can resurrect without penalty. You can come back just magically fresh and new, but that's magic and requires materium. You can complete a craft. If you don't have all the resources, you can magically just will it into existence. But again, it's a magical act. So anything that is using magic is using materium and materium is kind of like the items are they're powerful in game but you can also be bridged out of gala chain as an erc20 very cool and you also have these exemplars that folks can purchase right and what are those all about exemplars are cool they're avatars that players think of them as elite avatars each one has a special ability so you know you can be all the classic fantasy stuff you can be an elf a halfling an orc a dwarf a human but each one of these have powers. You could get an Everflow Elf, and they cast spells more proficiently. You can get a Clear Blood Orc, and they're immune to poison and toxins. And I think what's cool about them is that there's 50,000 of them. And this is one of the Web3 things that you can guarantee players that you can't necessarily in the Web2 space. There are 50,000 exemplars. There will never be more 50,000 exemplars. That's it, right? It's on chain. You can see it. And as we're talking, I see that elves are sold out, halflings are sold out, humans are almost sold out, and the orcs are sort of coming up at the end of the pack. Do you have any sense of why the elves and halflings were more popular? I think it's the that they're scarce. They're rare. One of the things that I love about Lord of the Rings is there's this moment where they're in the forest and a group of elves walk by and it's like, holy crap, you know, there's some elves in the forest. They're rare and elusive. So we wanted to create that here. While there's 50,000 exemplars, there's only a thousand elves that will ever be in the game ever. You will never mm-hmm. see their elf unless it's one of these thousand. So seeing them or seeing a group of them is cool and is a big deal. And it's true that I think maybe about 90% of them have sold out, if that's about right, maybe a little bit more. So to play Mirandus, you must own one or you can rent one from another player. You can buy one on the secondary market, like on OpenSea. There's some on OpenSea. I think the coolest way probably to get one right now is we're about to launch what is called shipwreck crates. They're a bit of a mystery box. They're kind of fun. But to come to the land of Mirandus, there's only one clear route and you come on the King's Galleon. That's how the game begins. But there's other people that went for it and they didn't make it. And their ships have been destroyed and their stuff is washing up on the shores. And this is player's chance to get it. So there's a cool sale coming and that we have loaded up with most of the remainder of our exemplars, which is, I think there's about 6,000 or 6,500 exemplars on there. 
that's a cool way to get it along with other prizes. There's deeds and buildings and all sorts of stuff in it. You know, the part of making a game and decentralizing is getting everything in the player's hands. I don't want stuff like this on the store. I want it in their hands. I want them to be able to place these cities and build these buildings and play. So it's going to be a pretty low cost way. We're hoping to just get stuff in people's hands so that when the game comes out, they can go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These crates are like a 0.15 ETH, pretty reasonable for all sorts of exciting possibilities you can get in them relative to sort of the cost. And we'll share some of the visuals, by the way, with our YouTube audience. Encourage you guys to check the show out on YouTube or just click on the links and go to Mirandas.game and see for yourself some of the stuff. But really cool. What were you going to say, Richard? Yeah, I was going to say, you kind of touched on a couple of them, but I always like to learn about some of the in-game assets that people and players can play with. So you mentioned Deej, missing buildings, but also I was curious, so like, what are some of the other types of in-game assets that people can get excited about? Deeds are where a lot of it begins. The deeds are like a blueprint. So there's places in every zone where you can kind of stamp down the skeleton or a blueprint of a town and other players can come to that town with the buildings that they own. And they can place forges, a tannery, an inn, a tavern, stables. So you stamp down your deed, players own the buildings, and they own and run their own commerce there. You can buy the exemplars. You can own those. You can own mounts. I think those are gone. Firebrand steeds, they're called. They're pretty cool. The items you craft, you can own. Obviously, the materium you collect, you own. And I mean, we're trying to do everything. Again, we include our community in this. And when we ask them, what do you want? on chain the answer is everything man i mean as much as possible so there's things that we know and have planned for and have announced and then we're trying to think through additional ownership classes even spells anything we can put on chain we try to yeah i like that part of it the fact that as your players come in and they let's say level up or they go on journeys and they start to get all these things if they want to kind of create their own in-game commerce they have that ability and not just that, like, I'm sure there's even like a barter system that if someone potentially wants to go on some sort of mission, but probably needs a certain item that they could potentially trade for it or get it for that particular thing. And you then have so many different like systems that you used to have to do, like on the black market with Web2 games, you now can do this in real time, right? We think there's going to be a really interesting economy of people noticing what the buildings are requesting and offering, and maybe even just shuttling things between towns, buying low and selling high. Again, it's a simulation. It's a physical world. Players need things to survive. And we're hoping that's the basis for the economy itself. And it's intuitive. You're not trying to get into a game and figure out what the game is. You're there. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need clothes. You want better armor to be safer out there. So it's very it's very intuitive. And we, we're hoping the players experience it that way. Very cool. I moderated a panel recently in, I guess it was Dubai, with some folks in gaming around sort of where where is all this going? But I asked a question that I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are, which is like, fundamentally, gaming as an industry is not technically broken. It's economically, it's going up. More gamers are born every day. What problem do you think blockchain gaming solves? And then sort of the antithesis of that is what are the problems with blockchain gaming where it's trying to solve problems that maybe don't exist? I don't think I have concerns about blockchain gaming. I think what I mean is 
it's just awesome to empower players to own their own content. As a game developer, you're watching people spend a billion dollars on a game and they don't get to own anything. If you play Web2 games, to say that isn't something that people, it doesn't resonate. They don't understand what you're talking about. They're like, what do you mean? It's a new world that people need to discover and explore. So, And most people have not experienced it yet, right? So you're conditioned these days to own nothing. So in the old days, and again, guys, I'm old. So it's like, you'd own a game cartridge. You'd buy a game, you'd own a game cartridge. That's yours. You own it. Yeah. What you did with that, that's your business. It's no one else's. I mean, I'd give it to my neighbor, right? Say, mow my lawn and I'll give you Zelda. It's my business. I own it. Why shouldn't I? I paid for it, right? The way that you bring that up, it just makes me think about renting versus owning real estate, right? There's no technical problem with renting. You can live your whole life and never buy a piece of land. However, someone that has bought property and seen the benefits of it, it unlocks new possibilities where you can hang something up or make your fence taller or install a satellite dish and you don't have to get someone's permission. It gives you this freedom. And with that freedom comes a sense of empowerment. You start games by signing a terms of service. That's how games begin. And that terms of service says, we can cancel you and your account at any time for any reason, especially for these things. And they can take it all away from you just like that. When you get an item and it's colored gold, it's, oh, that must be rare. They made it gold or is it? Is there 30,000 of them on a server? I mean, can they spin up more of these? It's There's a guarantee that blockchain can provide to people. And I think it's just inevitable to me. I don't have concerns about it. If you can play a cool game and you can own your own content, why would you play a game that doesn't let you? So to me, it's just the future. Everyone's going to be doing it. And I don't really have concerns about it necessarily. It's more just, it's coming. Here it comes. Yeah. And I think another way to kind of phrase the question, and I'm definitely keen to get your take on it. You got in the space in 2019. It's drinking through a fire hose of information and then building at the same time. And the blockchain gaming ecosystem has evolved a lot just in that short time frame. My question is, do you feel like the industry is swimming in the wrong direction or do you feel like it's starting to go in the right direction? And are there things that the industry could benefit from the fine tuning that you've been doing at Mirandas? I think everyone's just experimenting right now. It's so new. You have to think of everyone in Web3 as a startup. There's an energy to the space that is different than being somewhere else. Because if you are starting with the premise that you can empower players you're already kind of coming from a different place in your spirit and in your heart. And Web 2, players are your, it's not like they're your enemy, but it's like, how do I convince them to give me money? You know, it's a little bit different of a space. So in this space, you're trying to make them win. How do we let them win? How do we empower them to win? It gives the games back to players. It does what's right in your heart. So I don't think anyone's swimming in the wrong direction. I think everyone in this space who's trying to empower players is trying to do the right thing. And how can anyone know exactly what to do when the technology is this new, but you have irons in the fire and you're going for it. And I think that people that are into Web3 love that you're going for it. And we are all there together at the same time. So 
I don't know if it's swimming in the wrong direction at all. I think it's just different irons in the fire. You know, everyone's just shooting arrows in different direction and trying to see what sticks. How long will that process take, in your opinion? You know, you've been in gaming for a long time and there's been different phases of the gaming evolution and where new things are tried and then things settle down. Like what period of experimentation are we in or what phase of that? Man, I got a lot of thoughts on this one, Josh. (laughs) I'll say this. I'll say this is going to be contentious. I'm going to have to talk about this later. I can smell it coming. But I think blockchain and the people who don't get it are, it's just a little bit newer. And I think it's a little bit like those kids and their damn rock and roll. There's something about people that want to judge it and want to break it down and figure out why it doesn't work and why it sucks. But you know what, man, the people that are coming up and playing these games, the youth especially, they're not tripping on the technology. They're just seeing it as cool, man. This is, you know, think of auto-tune. Like, oh, that's not real singing. Well, who uses auto-tune now? Everybody. 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 You know why? Because it's not the end of the world. It's just kind of a different way to create sound. So I think what you're going to find is that everyone who's young and coming up into this world where there's this new possibility, all they're going to see is possibilities. Like making games in the 90s, everything was about possibilities. Everything was exciting. The fact that you could connect with someone over a modem, like, wow, that was a multiplayer game with someone else. But people may say that, tying up phone lines, multiplayer is everything now. What game do you want to play? Knowing that no one's there, it's just there. The internet, oh, the internet, end of the world social games oh end of the world free to play end of the world is it really the end of the world or is it just kind of a shocking moment in time for some people but really everyone coming up especially the younger people they're just going to get it they're going to get it and they're going to do things with it that we can't even dream of right now but they don't reject the technology they just love it and embrace it and see it as a new cool thing they can play with i agree man i'm a gamer myself and i just love how Everything is evolving and as imagination and creation and empowerment are driving the next wave of technology and innovation, I think what's to come is going to continue to be absolutely incredible. And the people who are getting on this early and have those first insights are going to be the ones to key to drive it forward, but also to be the disruptors and the innovators and to help with the next wave of people that are becoming in this and kind of on that line of thought and been doing this for a while, man. You're with Mirandas. A lot of really cool things are out on the horizon. Like what's on that final roadmap? Like what's coming up that people should be excited about? Eric, actually, our CEO leaked this recently, but I'd say the cool thing coming up on the Mirandas horizon is we release tech tests. We call them tech tests. It's a technology test where as we make this game, we need these moments where we'll have something in the game that needs thousands of people to jump in and pound on it. And we offer those up to the community to play. So we have another test coming up targeting the end of Q1. And what's cool about that one is, is we're not going to take it down. We're going to leave it up. So what we want to do is we want to switch the development. We're far enough along where we want to switch the development to releasing it, leaving it live, and then trying to do quarterly releases, run it features for a couple months that extended the game. And then we need about a month to do QA and just release management, transition that into the new build that's live and try to do that every quarter for our players. So 
that's kind of exciting for us. The next technology test is coming. It's coming towards the end of Q1. There's a couple other pretty cool secrets in there, but I cannot reveal them at this time. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Very cool. I'm excited and I'm sure our listeners will be to dive deeper into Mirandis. And it's just great to know you, Michael, and learn more about what you're building. Before we adjourn, we have another segment called Hot Topic that we'd like to do. And it seemed particularly relevant to this conversation. We got some fresh news that Game 7 issued a report a couple days ago on the state of Web3 gaming. Wanted to talk about that a little bit with you and Richard. So just to give you guys some background, Game7 is a community that's dedicated to accelerating the adoption of blockchain technology and gaming. And this report was conducted independently, which is always important to provide an objective in-depth analysis of this new sector with the goal of revealing data, trends, insights for industry professionals. I was pretty impressed to learn how comprehensive of a report they put together and also pretty rigorous, right? They actually captured, examined, fingerprinted data from more than 1,900 games, 1,000 funding rounds, and 170 blockchain ecosystems. So they really worked hard on this report. Did you have a chance to check it out by chance? Peaked at it really quick, my man. I skimmed over it. Well, you're building, we're covering the news, so we'll kind of talk about it together. Deep on Mirandis, Josh, I'm busy, man, all right? I get it. So we're going to help you zoom out here. One of the first interesting parts of this report, and I encourage people to check out the whole report as well, is that APAC is leading development of Web3 Gaming with USA also with some momentum. So I found that interesting. I guess we've known for a while that the Asia Pacific region is doing a lot of gaming with about 40%, but the USA is continuing to lead as the largest market for the Web3, accounting for 30% of the gaming sector for the sixth straight year. And other markets include South Korea at 12%, UK at 6%, Singapore at 6%, so on and so forth. So I bet that slices from a revenue perspective just about what all games when you release them typically see but there's the united states still is typically one of the largest kind of revenue plays for your products and it it wouldn't shock me if web3 adoption is more similar there but that sounds about right i know south korea they're huge they're big blockchain fans we have a lot of supporters there on Miranda's. for me it was fairly intuitive nothing shocking in those statistics but still interesting nevertheless so many thoughts on this. So having the opportunity to go to Korea Blockchain Week in, in Seoul, Korea this year and in Tokyo 2049 in Singapore and being able to go firsthand and see all the people building over there and the excitement around blockchain and everything else, you wouldn't think we're in a bear market. Like it was almost a stark difference from what we are seeing over here in the West and North America. And recently I was listening to an interview with Yatsu and he brought up something that resonated with me really strong, which is the American dream has been alive in the States for a long time with people being able to come here and be able to have rights and as far as own property and be able to own assets and all this other kind of stuff. And in Asia, that's more of a new thing. Like that hasn't really been an option 
for decades. And Web3 has really been the first introduction to doing that. So being able to go and get a game and own those assets or be able to get on blockchain and own digital assets that you think and own like that in a lot of ways can translate over into like the American dream over in Asia. And I was like, wow, that made a lot of sense to me. So I just wanted to like share that sentiment. Cause like, that's really that, cool. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, the naysayers about like owning something in a game. Why it's like, why not? What's the downside? You just played for two weeks trying to get this magic sword at the bottom of this dungeon. Do you not want to own it? Do you not want to be able to give it to your friend at a restaurant? QR code. Here, dude, have it. Boop. Now it's his. You should be able to own it and do whatever you want anytime. The game should not be able to stop you. The translation from like real game assets into like physical products. So like there are games in South Korea that you can play that you can go and then redeem a physical item, like at a local convenience store for like winning a thing. So like really seeing like how that translation is happening over there, it'll eventually come out here to the West, but like to see that in real time over there, that wasn't even like on my radar. Like that's so cool. Absolutely. Just the secondary market is interesting. You've made games, you make them for yourself and you make them for your team and Everyone stays inside the ecosystem, but it's fascinating to watch what people do outside of your control or your power at all. Who knows what they're going to do with it? But it's exciting. One of the things that we've always seen in games that's a reality is that a lot of times, and especially in the free-to-play space, there's whales out there that have unlimited funds to come into your game and spend. What happens outside your ecosystem, and you go to sleep at night, what happens outside your ecosystem If somebody out there, a whale is connected up with somebody in a developing nation where $500 or $1,000 changes their life completely. And that to me is probably the most exciting connection of decentralization and and Web3 is what do people do outside of your games and your ecosystem that you don't control and how can that empower people? Yeah, totally. Well, let's cover a few more highlights of this report. And people can always dig in, as I mentioned, it's worth checking out if you're interested in this sector. So the gaming system today, ecosystem today, is composed indie level and mid-sized projects, which make up 94% of the market, while AA and AAA is about 6% right now. Michael, you're nodding your head. That makes sense to you as well. One of the things that makes Gala special is that there's a belief that this is the future period. There was no hesitation to fund larger scale games that deeply utilize blockchain technology. But not everyone has, they have, especially if you're at a larger company, you're walking into a room of execs, you're saying, dude, give me $10 million, 20 million, or I mean, some of these games cost $500 million. Give me tons of millions of dollars to make a game, man. It's going to be Web3 based. Uh, It's like, whoa, show me the data and prove to me why before I give you, you know, it's hard to prove why when it hasn't really been done or built. So you have to really operate on belief. And I think that's what you're seeing in this market. The indie studios can fund themselves. They don't need a ton of money and they can go for it. And I think those little experiments actually are going to be where some of the coolest thinking comes from. Uh, Gala believes in it so deeply that there was no problem funding the highest quality games that you could make. So yeah. But still the exception to the norm and hopefully leaders like Gala will give folks the conviction to double down on the industry and games like Miranda start leading that charge. You'll see it. Look at social games. I think for a while there's Zynga kind of ate everyone's lunch, stole their lunch and ate it for a while. And so there's these opportunities in this space to be there first, to believe in it and go for it. 
find that recipe and everyone else is going to have to kind of play, play catch up, I think. Yeah, it certainly, but on the flip side, people ask us a lot, why are we bullish on web three gaming and whatnot? And I think it doesn't come from bias necessarily as much as knowledge that we get all this inside information on what everyone's building. We're really excited. And this report validates that from an investment perspective, even sort of with this slowdown. So in 2023, blockchain gaming investments reached $1.5 billion with $800 million exclusively dedicated to Web3 gaming. That's a lot of games, a lot of developers, a lot of cool graphics. But that's still a dip from $2 billion per quarter in 2021 and 2022. So pretty meaningful decrease in investment, but still a lot of those investments earlier I don't think we've seen come to fruition yet because good games take two, three, four, five years to build. So that makes sense, right? You want to see what happens now with all that money, but the funding rate currently still exceeds 300 million per quarter. And it's still a 1200% increase over figures prior to 2021. So there's this major rush of investment into the space and we're still waiting to see what happens from that. So that's not too surprising to me, but I think it's actually quite optimistic and impressive. Oh, yeah. So first off, you're going to see a bit of a dot-com moment, right? Where if investors are being asked, how are you positioned in Web3? Everyone raising their hand saying, I'm making a Web3 game. They're going to get showered with gold. There's that moment in time. And I think that was towards the end of 2021. There's a lot of people that do that. VR, VR companies, VR is the future. They spin up VR companies, nothing's going to come, but they get showered with funding. So there's some wheat and there's also chaff during those moments in time. What you have to look at is not the quarter over quarter, look at it year over year. How much investment was in the Web3 space in four years ago for games? Significantly less. It didn't exist. Zero. So plot that trend line. Like, yeah, there might have been a spike in 2021, but plot that trend line. Like, it's insane where it's going and where it's come from in the past three or four years. I mean, just little things like the consciousness of it all. I tell people, imagine if you walked into a restaurant in 2019 and say, raise your hand if you've heard of Bitcoin. No one in the restaurant would raise their hand. No one. Maybe, maybe one person would, or if you were in a really fancy place, Silicon Valley, maybe. But generally speaking, no one would raise their hand. They'd never heard of it before in their life. Now, if you were to do that same thing today, I live in Oregon. You know, if I were to walk into the Olive Garden in Oregon, say, everyone raise your hand if you've heard of Bitcoin. Everyone would raise their hand. Everyone heard of it. It's out there. It's on people's minds. They know about it. It's coming. It's not a fad. It's just an elegant piece of code. That's all it is. It's an elegant distributed ledger. It's a way to decentralize things. And I think for people that are in the Web 2 space that are maybe new to Web 3, if you give it to the people, interesting, wonderful, cool things happen. How much can you give to the people? And for instance, in our games, we have to host almost everything in these centralized servers, You know, maybe on Amazon or someone else. What if everyone could just run their own nodes? Like if you look at Gala Music, Gala Film, we have nodes. What if game transactions are being processed by the people on their computers at home? And they can be compensated for it in the same way that we compensate Amazon for helping support the network, for helping process transactions, for helping run game code. And I think that's the power of it. 
can you give it over to the people? And when you do great things, great things happen. So it's coming. Absolutely. And last stat, I'll just mention briefly over a billion dollars respectively invest into RPG games like Miranda's and sports games. Oh, I'm sorry. RPG games, 700 million sports games and MMOs, 1 billion. So Needless to say, a lot of money going in and a lot of excitement to come. Michael, this has been incredible. Where do folks go to learn about all the good things they can do with Mirandus? I think you can go to mirandus.game to learn more about Mirandus. There's some information there. Search for Mirandus on YouTube. There's lots of videos. Go to gala.games. That's kind of our central hub for a lot of stuff that we're building and things in production. Search for Gala Games and Gala on Discord, guys. That's where... Our community meets. I don't even know how many people we have have there now. I mean, it could be a hundred thousand folks. How many do we have there? Do you guys know? I don't even know. <laughs> but it's awesome. And every game that's in production, guys, we're there. We're on Discord, and we engage heavily with the community. We just show them, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're building. So I'd say Discord's really a wonderful central hub for us. I'm getting the latest number: two hundred and three. 100,000 members at this moment, 390 members. So yeah, a lot of folks excited about what you guys have been building. We were talking a little bit before the show and speaking of fear and facing your fears, you guys have quite a cool giveaway for our listeners who get a chance to check out this show. I'll let you do the honors of sharing the fearful news. (laughs) there are some items that we have in our games that are quite valuable and super cool so we're committed to giving away a grand cemetery those who follow mirandas will know how cool that is a grand cemetery is a very large cemetery and what happens is is players when they resurrect they resurrect at your cemeteries players are able to respond without penalty with materium and you you get a cut of that materium in the game. So cemeteries are some of the most powerful buildings we have, and we are committed to giving away a grand cemetery to people who have watched this. And guys, this is about $6,000 in value, and it's an incredibly generous gift. Sort of checks that box for all of you at home that have always wanted to own a cemetery. Now you can. Yeah, man, it'll be great. It's a cool item to own. I hope everyone loved the video and Love the cemetery and get on Discord, talk about the cemetery. They'll tell you how cool it is. It's pretty popular, kind of fun. We'll keep a lookout and can't wait to see you back here on the next Edge of NFT. We reached the outer limit on the Edge of NFT for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy. Thank you.